wonderful happy people, you're listening to the Happy and Corporate Podcast, a podcast that teaches you how to be happy and grow in and out of the workplace. My name is Benny. I'm an executive coach working in sales for a big corporation. I'm sitting down with my mic here to discuss all of the things I wish I had known before starting my career. In this podcast, we talk growth mindset, we talk happiness, we talk health, we talk becoming a manager and so many other topics. But what you will have is 100% authenticity and vulnerability, 100% English mistakes, and I hope 100% value in those episodes for you. But enough introduction, let's deep dive into today's topic. Welcome again to this series where we learn all about how to become the best people managers possible from the best people managers there are around. The reason I'm starting this series is because in my current role, I move from teams to teams every three to six months to cover for any long-term leaves within our EMEA teams. And one thing that I found very common is individual contributors stepping into their first manager roles and being totally lost, alone, etc. So of course, many companies do provide trainings to manager around compliance, ethics, HR, etc. But there are very few that do provide training around how to be a great people manager, not just a good, but a great people manager and the intricacies and responsibilities that come with it. So in this series, I'll try to bring to you people that I've heard are great people managers or have experienced as great people managers myself so they can share their wisdom with us. And today I'm really excited because I'm welcoming Rupi Gold. And Rupi and I worked together at the beginning of the year and she's been an amazing manager and I really wanted to have her on the podcast. She does work at Google and she is heading our luxury industry and our sales teams for ads at Google from the London office. But she will tell you more about it in this podcast. So without further ado, let's dive into today's interview. Hi, Rupi. Hi, Benny. It's nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for this podcast because we work together, but I'm excited to see what are the answers that you're going to give to the question that I prepared for this podcast. So really excited. But before we get into the first question, maybe you can introduce yourself for people that are listening to us. Sure. Hello to all the listeners. I am Rupi Goyal and I head up the luxury team at Google. Um, I'm from India and I've been living in London for about 11 years. Before Google, I was at McKinsey as the digital expert for retail. Um, so that's a little bit about me. So 11 years, <gasps> this is super long. But in this series, we talk about like great people manager. And I wanted to have you on the series because I think you are a great people manager. It's also about like people getting into management. So maybe the first question that I have for you is how did you become a people manager and how did you go into the management thing? Of course. Um, firstly, thank you for your compliment on great people manager. I very much feel like I'm a work in progress. How did I get into people management? I started my journey, Bene, I want to say about eight years ago at McKinsey, where it was a very natural, linear progression. And since then, I've really, really cherished. I feel like it's much easier to work on projects and people are more complex than projects. So I think that part of complexity really excited me when I was at McKinsey. So when I joined Google, I really, really wanted to continue my journey on people management. At Google, it was more about going after it, going really, really like investing. Managers in every company, I feel like, have a slightly different expectation, slightly different responsibilities. 
at Google, you know, it's a privilege and honor to be a manager. And the standard of a manager is quite high at Google. So I would say over here, it was more about really articulating that I want to do that and really, really finding that opportunity to do it. So it's interesting because versus also people we had on the podcast, you really worked for it. You really wanted, you were really intentional about it. 100%. I know so many people right now who want to be a people management and there are not that many roles that are available. So there is skewed demand supply equation when it comes to people manager roles. So it's really, really important that you continuously focus on your development because even when you become a people manager, it's not like you're a perfect people manager. You're very much a work in progress. So how do you actually start that work in progress before even becoming a manager? So I really, really like reached out to quite a few managers, understood what does it really mean to be a manager? What are they doing day to day? What are they really doing with their teams, with their business? What are the big challenges they face? How have they learned and grown over the years? And because of really hearing different perspectives, I was able to kind of put my learning plan and say, this is what I want to do. And I think very amazing that you're doing that for your listeners, where hopefully some of us can share, you know, what were our learning journeys. And at the same time, I think finding in my day-to-day experience, finding those stories that will enable me to develop those people management skills. So even with the, you know, teams we work with, there are lots of things we can learn, influencing, et cetera, et cetera, that we could do even in our individual roles so that we're building up to that interview or building up to that skill and the muscle when it comes to it. So yeah, I think definitely a work in progress still. And even while I went for it, I really, really like was very intentional and put a lot of hard work into it. I like how you're also highlighting, you know, maybe like the mentoring activities or like even the influencing activities, et cetera, that you did leading up to that as like also the basis for, hey, I can be a great people manager because I've learned all of that. Um, so it's also about building your experiences, even though you're not yet there, but building the steps, the Lego blocks <laughs> to get to the Lego house. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's putting those Lego blocks together because I think you can't wait. Okay, I want a manager. I want a manager. But why do you want to be a manager? What skills do you bring? What have you been learning now? All that is important to, you know, actually really step into it. And what are you saying also, like you say, you like learned from different also people managers, anything that came out in terms of like things that you were like, okay, I'd like to do that when I will be a manager or things you were like, okay, no, this is not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think one observation of having talked to a lot of people is while there are similarities, everyone's management style is different. It has to be truly authentic who you are as a person so I think that definitely was one thing when I talked to at least my network I felt everyone was unique in a certain way I think the similarities were or the things I said I definitely want to do is how did they build a team culture I think the thing I get most attracted to is building high performing and collaborative teams so I think being really clear on like what are the things that you want your team to be shaped and designed and be known for And really bringing that flavor of you as a leader, the flavor of your team as individuals into that as well. So for me, when I was talking to my network, I think it was really exciting how they had built a collaborative culture, how they had built psychological safety, you know, how they had built inclusivity in their teams as well. And then from some, I learned how they had continuously raised the bar of what their teams were doing and instilled growth mindset in there. 
I think the things I thought not doing was especially when you go from an individual role to a manager role, the things you do as an individual, you kind of have to unlearn because that's now your team's responsibility. So my biggest and best analogy I think of is like almost any sports, you know, any football game, let's say. The coach is always standing on the side. It's the players that are running and winning the game. So you have to almost think about like you are their coach who's standing on the sidelines, but it's your team who's actually going to make points and win the match, right? So how do you actually really give them the best opportunity to win that match without playing it? And I think that for me was a no, which is how do I not step into my team's toes, but actually enable them more, coach them more, rather than doing what I was doing as an individual contributor. So I think that shift, that transition is quite critical because you can always go back to what you're comfortable with doing, which is the individual role. But actually, that's the thing you need to unlearn. And I feel like it's really embracing um, the part you don't know when you make that shift in the sense that you could hold on to what you know as an individual contributor and step on your team's toes. Or you can embrace the unknown and be like, okay, I don't really know how this works or how is it going to work, etc. But I'm willing to get there. 100%. I think one of my managers and mentors had given me the advice, hire people who know more than you in your team. They should be actually the experts rather than you. If you are the expert, you're doing something wrong. You're expert in leadership and sort of getting the team together, but they should, you know, be the experts in their fields. I like this uh, piece of advice of also hiring smarter, better than you to build your high-performing team as well. Can you uh, maybe walk us through like what you do on a day-to-day basis as a manager? What does your day look like? And maybe the the type of tasks that you actually enjoy? (laughs) Bene, I wish there was a day that could look similar. Um, I'll try and divide it up into parts. So at Google, we have a sales role where we work quite closely with clients. So part of, you know, even as a manager, your part of your role is delivering business results, making sure, you know, the team has a very clear vision. There's a very clear strategy in place. Everyone is moving in the right direction. You're helping them prioritize when you need to to do that. You're finding the right resources. You know, you're working with your customers so that we're representing our our engine in the best possible way to our customers, helping them, understanding their business as well. I would say part of the day would be in client meetings, really understanding, getting that external customer voice so that we make sure that, you know, we adapt our solutions and our priorities based on what our customers are asking for. I think part of the day is very much thinking about the team. So it could be team one-on-ones, you know, it could be discussions with the team, it could be problem solving with the team to solve a certain topic. It could be, you know, thinking and reaching out to the business so that you can help unblock some of the issues your team may be facing. So I would say part of that is part of the day would also be involving some sort of team conversations. I think the the third element of the day, if I may chunk my day into three things, I think is also really understanding and having focused time in your calendar where you can think more long-term. That long-term could be thinking about business. That long-term could be thinking about people in your team. What are their strengths? Where do you see that they could grow next? What are their career ambitions? How can you enable them to meet their career ambitions? You know, so I really, really feel there's a value in having just that focused time where you can think about these things because otherwise back-to-back meetings can take over our lives. But I would say... 
there's no standard day sadly there'll be some days which are quite heavy with client meetings some days that are quite heavy with team conversations but i would say like a balance of those is what i look forward to i like how you start with like the business part because sometimes i think especially at you girls sometimes when people think you're yeah, moving into people management they're like okay get rid of the business and just do the people or you're here to drive a team to success so there is yeah. half of business and the people are just a resource to I mean, just a resource, but like a resource to get there. I am such a big supporter of that, Bene, because I feel like if you're not hearing external voice, if you're not really understanding from customer, you ultimately can't shape the vision and the strategy. So you really yeah. have to really start with your customer because that's the way to build a vision, an exciting, more motivating vision that the team can get behind. So yeah. yeah, I think finding the right balance is key. When you're meeting the customers, you are in a more coach role rather than in a player role but at the same time meeting is important another question is more around like what are your strengths or you feel like are your strengths as a as a manager what are things that you you believe have helped you also along the way to get where you are the lucky news is we do manager feedback survey quite regularly here yeah. and i've just gotten my results so it's a great <laughs> mirror to what do we do well and what could we do better so i think my mirror says that i'm really good at crafting a team vision and getting team really focused on the priorities that the organization cares about that customers care about you know bringing an external perspective really shaping you know what our customers needs are and i'm really good at also driving psychological safety and inclusive team culture as well So I think those two are the big strengths. My work in progress is how do I coach more and how do I really like get the best of the teams by giving them specific real-time feedback as well so that they can see how they are growing on that feedback as well. I think all of that comes quite naturally to me because as I said like I'm perhaps have been a business person first and foremost in my entire career so I feel like I can understand how setting a team vision and a strategy is my strength. I think as I said as a manager it's really critical to be authentic and I'm quite open and I'm quite vulnerable as a person as well I share you know my failures I share my learnings quite openly so I feel like that enables the team to feel the same so I think what enables me is to be my authentic self frankly I think the more you can be with the team your authentic self the better you get I feel you get the response from them as well The authenticity theme is coming back quite a lot in also the interviews that I've done so far so it's interesting how everybody embraces it from their own perspective being their own selves and I feel like there's a little bit of a personal development journey happening as well of like yeah. hey this is what it should be and in the end this is what I want it to yeah. be I think that's so true when I was a new manager at Google Bene I had so much imposter syndrome because I was coming into a team that was a very senior team they had been doing that work for a long time and i think i had such an imposter syndrome that i really wanted to show i've got everything together you know under me like i was like a duck you know swimming in the ocean everything is fine everything is fine but there's like so many moments like ah, uh going on but i think just you know even voicing that and sharing that with the team like really binded us and i was like okay we are in it together we are here to support each other so i feel yeah i think embracing that openness in the team is quite key is there like one thing that you wish you would have known sooner so many things uh one thing <laughs> how do you, i um, choose one <laughs> yeah exactly which one thing should i choose i think one thing i wish i would have practiced more is giving tough feedback i think it doesn't come easy as a manager you're really invested in your team you really want them to succeed 
But sometimes in order for them to succeed, you have to give them tough feedback. You have to basically be their champion, but also their challenger. And I think that combination of the role, especially it's very easy to be a champion. You know, they're doing great work. You can really recognize them. You can applaud them. I sometimes feel it's the challenging bit where you're invested in their success. And sometimes you have to show them from different perspectives is a little bit tough. So how can we practice that more? Because ultimately you are doing it for their own success as well. I think that I wish I would have known sooner. And then, as I mentioned, the unlearning process. I think that I wish I would have learned sooner around how do you quickly unlearn the old habits and really get into the coach mindset. And I think that's for a, a piece of advice for life as well. How do you unlearn old habits? Uh, <laughs> it's not necessarily just in management, but like it's really, really hard yeah. when yeah. you have a habit that is ticking. Like I'm not a morning person and I'm really trying to go to the gym in the morning. Even that is difficult. So, so you're right. It's not just for manager, but it is true for a manager as well. Yeah. Is there like um, anything that you've been through uh, since you've been a manager that you felt was really, really tough to handle or even something that you felt like if you're comfortable sharing if, that you felt like, okay, I've completely felt that, but I learned something from it? I think I would say leading in complexity. And I feel like for last two years, to be honest, you know, we've been in during COVID phase where the team was completely sent virtual, then bringing people back to the office you know, then cost of inflation crisis. I think one of the things you see as a manager is a lot of people are going through a lot of things and, you know, you can never tell a book by its cover. So what is going on in people's life really impacts how they show up to work as well. And how do you find that right balance of empathy, but at the same time when they're showing up to work, part of our responsibility is also like they're fully showing up to work to drive the business forward. So I think leading in that complex world, because, you know, it's easy to tell right versus wrong, but sometimes it's really hard to differentiate between right versus right. Something is right for the customer, something is right for the person, something is right for the business. And how do you really take decisions with information, with not enough information, ambiguous? And I think finding that right balance, I think for me, the hardest has been, for example, one, one of the hard challenges have been, for example, supporting when people come back from long-term leave, be it mat leave, be it pat leave, you know, be it well-being, whatever those leaves are, and how do you really support in building back their confidence? Because they, you know, are jumping onto a moving train. You know, there's a bit of like, oh, the train is moving and we were kind of left behind on the platform. So how do you really build their their confidence in that journey? So I think, yeah, I've, I would say leading in that complexity world and really nourishing, charming people, but at the same time, keeping your bar high on what needs to happen. I think that I would say is is difficult to navigate, or I find it, you know, still work in progress. Seems like a fine balance or equilibrium of like, I like how you, you, you made the right or wrong, but it's also the difference between right and right. And sometimes that is the toughest decision, right? Exactly. Right versus wrong is very easy to take. I think it's we all as humans, to some extent, I feel operate in gray zones. And I think it's it's between those scale of gray, like wh how where do you differentiate and how do you decide? And it's not easy. Like there's all of our biases coming into that decision sometimes that we also have to be aware of. That's such a good one, right? Like, for example, when we started bringing people back to the office, there are some people in the team who are extroverts. There are some people in the team who are introverts. There are some people who like to work at home and are more productive. 
you know, and all those conversations of how do we find the right balance. We operate as very much a hybrid team with some team in India, some team in Dublin, some working from home, some working in the office. So how do you not let that bias of someone sitting right next to you influence you? Um, so, so, yeah. Yeah, I read something about that, about the fact that people that were working remote or even women that were maybe staying at home a little bit more to be available for the kids, etc., more than men uh, would also suffer from like not being in the room and not this kind of recency bias or awareness of hey I'm here uh, when everybody is in the room and you're potentially on VC so that's interesting that you mentioned that how do you balance that yeah exactly and I think those biases exist right and we go through so much training as managers of being a aware of the bias so that you can act on it. And then, you know, how do you really address it so that we are able to run a fair, equitable process for all our team members? I think communication is quite key. As I keep coming back to, you know, that openness, I think in your one-on-one, just having a very open communication, you know, how would we keep each other informed, updated? How would we communicate? What does that cadence look like? And then having a regular feedback loop so that the person and you are able to have a two-by-two feedback to say what's working well, and what could be done better. So I think I would say communication and open feedback channels. Yeah, I like that you mentioned open feedback because I feel also as a person being managed, sometimes throughout uh, the year or even throughout your life in general, you need different types of managers. And it's like also being able to ask for that <laughs> type of manager to emerge from your manager in a way because that's some yeah. in some areas or some instances of your life or your life at work um, and yeah. you need different things and so it's important to be able to and to have the space to voice it absolutely Benny and I also feel like a manager needs to adapt its style I think you can't be the same person to everyone everyone in your team would need different things from you right a very very simple example would be if someone has joined the team new and they haven't done that role before, they need more mentorship, they need more guidance. While someone who's done that role for many years as an expert in their field, they actually need more unblocking of their new career ambitions or, you know, they need to be coached on certain element as well. So it's a very, very different style. And I think truly a manager should adapt their style based on, you know, where they see the most needs are. So, so I, yeah, I think it's about finding new managers, but at the same time, a manager should be agile enough to say, I need to adapt my style based on where I see the individual is now. Super interesting. Maybe one of the last question, any like pieces of advice for people that are attempting to go into people management and, you know, new on that journey? Yeah. So having been on that journey myself, I would say firstly, it's really important to understand what is it that is expected to be a people manager and then find opportunities in your current role so that you can practice those things, right? So like one of the areas, at least for everyone internally at Google, I advise, we have a very clear expectations or asks of our managers. Be familiar with it. Really, you know, be honest in scoring yourself. Where are you good at? And where would you need to work on? And then all the opportunities amplify your strengths and the opportunities, find opportunities to work on areas you feel you'd be uncomfortable with. I think second, I would say network. I think really tap into the to the managers you know. I think this is amazing you're doing this podcast, but tap into the managers you know and ask them like what keeps them awake at night? What are their opportunities? What are their challenges? What are they learning as a manager? You know, who do they look up to as good managers? And all those questions you would want to ask, right? Like so learn from existing network of managers 
as much as you can. I got the advice, talk to one manager, new manager every month, right? So it doesn't feel very daunting. All you need to do is just talk to one manager a month, 30 minutes, coffee chat, really learn that as well. So I think I would say, yeah, I think if you are thinking of going on that journey, really understand what that, what does that mean? What strengths do you bring to it? And then network as much as you can. I think if you are already a new manager, I would say build your peer network. I think because all the new managers will be going through similar things and being able to share with someone and learn from them in a very, very like sort of non-judgmental way, someone you can just share because like as a new manager, I didn't really know how to calibrate my team. And just taking someone through it, like how do I actually like, what does good look like? What does great look like? How do I not put my own biases? Was so helpful. So as a new manager, of course, go through all the formal trainings and things. But I would just really say, find a confidant, a buddy, who you can really share and learn from. I like that you mentioned that because I remember talking to also people that have just made manager. And one thing that they were mentioning is that you can feel really alone because people that were your peers before, now you're their manager or they are managed by a peer of yours in another team, etc. So it might feel like the journey is a little bit alone, stepping into your peers as managers and building that network of people that are in a similar position can also help you feel like surrounded and supported in that journey. Exactly, exactly. I think, uh, you know, a lot of times people try to be friends with their team members, some succeed, you know, some less so, but I just feel like it's really hard to share you know, everything you're going through with your team. So I think finding, yeah, it's, it is quite lonely. I think leadership is is, is a ro- lonely role, but I feel like this you get joy in so many other ways. Uh, yeah. You know, you get reward by seeing a pe- people grow, etc. So I feel like it comes with its pros as well. Thank you, Ruby. We're coming up to the end of this podcast. If people want to stay in contact with you or reach out to you, what should they do? They can reach me on LinkedIn. They can reach you, Benny, and ask you to reach me. Um, But I think LinkedIn would be the best way. If I can be of any help to anyone, I would be more than happy to. And I'll put your LinkedIn profile in the description of the podcast anyway, if people want to have a look of who you are and where you come from, (laughs) etc. But thank you so much, Ruby, for being with us today. Thank you for having me and all the best to everyone who's looking to become a people manager out there. Thank you for listening to this episode of Happy and Corporate, the podcast. If you feel this episode could be valuable to someone else, make sure you share it with this lovely person and subscribe to the podcast on the platform you use. If you have some feedback, make sure you leave it to me on Instagram and see you very soon for another episode.